May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today is the last Sunday of the season, the church season of Epiphany. And it is the, the last Sunday before we enter into the church season of Lent. It's also known today as World Mission Sunday. And um, I feel like we have been striving to uh, fulfill our mission this week by getting out all kinds of materials for you all to enjoy and use uh, during Lent. So you will see all over the church our Spring Parish Life Guide, our Living Well During Lent, our Lent Madness brochures, our um, Lent 2023 brochures, and all of these resources for you to engage in the season of uh, self-reflection, identified by the church as a season of self-reflection, and identified by our church as a season of self-reflection, not to beat up on yourself, but to be truthful and honest and aware about what is going on in your life that blocks you from releasing your burdens to God, from feeling whatever blocks you from connecting with God at a deeper level, whatever holds you back and holds you in fear. We'll talk about that a little bit today in relationship to our gospel. The gospel is the story from Matthew 17, chapter 17 in Matthew's gospel of the transfiguration of Christ. And there's three things I want to explore a little bit about the transfiguration of Christ today with you. The first is, read the story closely and identify who was transfigured. Who was transfigured? It was Jesus. It wasn't the mystical appearances of Moses or Elijah. It wasn't the disciples that went up with him. It was Jesus. So that's the first thing I want to explore and point out. It may seem obvious, but human beings sometimes take the obvious and walk right past it, let's say. <laughs> the second is to look at those words that were heard, and this time, they were heard by everyone there. So while it was only Jesus that was transfigured, it was his disciples and Jesus, and even the mystical appearances of Moses and Elijah, who, which heard the words, this is my beloved, listen to him. 
So everybody participated in that message. Everybody was to identify with that message. And the third is, how do we come down from the mountains that we would rather stay up on? Why is it necessary to move from the comfort of the mystical and the separate back down the mountain to engage with God's people when it can be very frightening. Okay, so number one, why is it important that Jesus was the one, the only one transfigured? Because I think before we move into Lent and as a gift to our spiritual journey, now in Epiphany, I want to remind us all that we are not God. We are not the savior of the world. We are not the ones upon whose shoulders or whose heart or whose uh, faithfulness depends the salvation of the world. There's one Christ, there's one savior, and that is God. One. So whatever that means to you, however that helps you, however that helps you remember that, that your opinion, that your participation, that your success, and even your failures don't save the world or break the world, However that translates into your life, remember it. Hold on to it. Whatever that means for you. And I mean it in this way. Lay your burdens on Christ. Lay your joys as well on Christ. You are sons and daughters, children, siblings, and a community that centers their life around Christ, but you are not God. You are made in the image and likeness of God. And that brings responsibility, but it also brings the support. It also brings the freedom of not having to figure everything out or not having to stay where you are and not having to fix things. Jesus was transfigured because Jesus is the Christ. Jesus was transfigured because Jesus is the Messiah. Write that down as an affirmation for yourself as you navigate this world of ours today. When Matthew wrote this gospel, the world wasn't less complicated just because it was the ancient world. The synagogues were uh, fighting with each other about theology, the political parties and the empire 
were going at it over policy and power. And one thing that I think we forget to do is to let God be God. Let God be God. Okay. So number two in this three-point sermon. Even though we are to let God be God and let that liberate us from, from ego and from shame and from perfectionism and from despair, we do have a responsibility. We do have an ability to respond to what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our world. And our responsibility is to respond remembering that we are God's beloved. Everyone that went up on that mountain with Jesus heard, heard those words. So we participate, they participate, and through them we participate in the identity that that gives us. We are Christ's beloved siblings. We are Christ's beloved disciples. We are Christ's beloved friends. So let's figure out how we can act more like that. That is our responsibility and our joy. Sometimes it feels like a burden, but if we remember to let God be God, we can take the pieces that are ours to take and with love and patience and perseverance, we can do the work that God is giving us to do. I was reminded of that by um, a story that I read uh, about the woman who uh, hid Anne Frank and her family. I cannot pronounce her name. It's an Austrian uh, Dutch name. I'm not going to butcher it here, but you can look her up by just saying the woman who um, saved Anne Frank's diary. I was doing some work and having some conversations around the upsurge and anti-Semitism that's happening in our country when her story came up in conversation. And that story was not of a, a person who took down uh, Nazism and anti-Semitism by her grand eloquence or her grand organizing. She did the work that God put in front of her to do by figuring out how to get more food without anybody noticing so she can get it to the Frank family who were in hiding. So just to go back a second, most of you know the diary of Anne Frank, the diary of the, the young woman who was hid, hidden with her family uh, for, from the Nazis and eventually was sent to a concentration camp, and her father survived. Her father was actually the 
boss of this woman whose name is hard for me to pronounce. And out of loyalty and love, she helped them survive. Again, she helped them survive not by her eloquence or her organizing, which aren't bad things, but by being aware of what she had the ability and the possibility and the responsibility to do. She got them food and when they were captured, she took up their papers, she didn't read them, she just hid them in the hopes of being able to give them to the family when they got out of the concentration camps and she was able to give those papers to Otto Frank and he published them as Anne's diary. So when you feel despair, when you feel once again like, well, what can I do? When you feel like, will the world ever get better? Hear that voice saying you are God's beloved and let that center you on what God is giving you to do here and now. That's in your power to do here and now. And you never know how far it will reach or what a difference it will make in one person's lives or millions of people's lives. So, poor Peter, he's always pointed out that he said, um, let us build these three altars and stay here. And Jesus, you know, had to set them straight. And he's like, no, we're having this identifying, intense, mystical experience because we are to take that with us when we go back down the mountain into the world. Will Gaffney, an Episcopal priest, a scholar, an author, a professor up at Bright University, said that wrote about Matthew 17th, that in this transfiguration, Jesus offers a glimpse of the holiness of God that he embodies. And that holiness of God is grounded in his identification with the great prophets of old, Moses and Elijah. And Professor uh, Reverend Gaffney invites us to expand that identification and to remember as well the women prophets of old. And so in her looking at this piece of scripture, she says, when you're trying to figure out how to go back down the mountain and take that history of salvation with you, yes, Remember Elijah, yes, remember Moses, but also remember Miriam. Moses and Aaron's sister who led the people to freedom. Remember Deborah, 
who won the mountain in battle, the mountain Tabor, which is considered the site of the transfiguration. Remember Deborah. And remember Huldah, who first proclaimed a written word as the word of God. So expand your understanding of the roots of witness and prophecy. Realign your understanding of who is in charge. And reaffirm your commitment, your identity as a beloved of Christ. And go down the mountain and dance like Miriam lead like Deborah, and proclaim like Huldah. Be faithful like Moses and heal like Elijah. Be corrected like Peter. Go along like John and James. But go back down the mountain. and learn what work it is that God is giving you to do. Learn through your awareness and your love. And I want to end with this quote that I've put into um, our uh, section of adult education in our parish life guide. And it's a quote by the Reverend Philip Brooks. And it says, sad will be the day for anyone when they become absolutely contented with the life that they are living, with the thoughts that they are thinking, with the deeds that they are doing, when there is not forever beating at the doors of their soul some great desire to do something larger which they know that they were meant and made to do because they are a child of God. And that's not a, a, a sign to be dissatisfied with your life but to be ever learning and ever discerning and ever identifying what God would have you do. So my friends, this Ash Wednesday, I ask you to realign your awareness of God's centeredness in your life. To remember that you are God's beloved and to be aware and discerning of what God is calling you to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.